Over the weekend, we got to hear from Dan Lanning and Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov at the podium for Pac-12 Media Days. But speaking of the media, where did they pick Oregon football to finish in 2022? We'll discuss. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. Like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching this show. Thank you to everybody out there who has done so already. I am joined today by Max Torres. He's host of the Ducks Dish podcast and covers Oregon for Fan Nation under SI. Max, good to have you back my friend spencer thanks for having me back man excited to uh get things rolling here fall camp starts this week and i'm i couldn't be more ready yeah i know i I think we're all ready to have at least some practice reports to lead just like give give me something like we've gotten all or most of the conference realignment talk i think out of our systems because we'll touch on that uh, a bit today with regards to what the commissioner said over the weekend uh but i wanted to start with the 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 preseason favorites according to members of the pac-12 media who got a a vote and i would just like to lament that you were not one of them by the way i think that is absolutely blasphemous that you did not get a, a vote for that uh but others did, and it was Utah first, Oregon second, USC third, UCLA fourth, and Oregon State fifth. And I, I got to tell you, Max, that'd be my top five if, if they gave me a vote as well. What would you think of how they uh, predict the 2022 season to play out? Yeah, I thought it was pretty reasonable uh, when when I was looking at the, the order of the, the finish for the 2022 season. I think really the only thing... Well, right now, I feel like until Oregon shows that they can beat Utah, I, that's like the biggest reason that I wouldn't put them uh, at number one. Uh, I was doing some roundtable stuff with our Stanford site the other day, uh, and then we were asked to pro- you know project our our uh, Pac-12 kind of finish a little bit. You know, who's going to make it to the conference championship game and who's going to win the conference? And and I I saw it being Oregon and Utah again, um, but I wrote that until Oregon shows me that they can or shows the country. Uh, that they can, you know, get over the hump uh, with Utah after those two beatdowns last year. Um, I think, and it's not even so much that I'm not confident in Oregon. I just think that Utah really is that good. Um, but Oregon's taking all the right steps uh, without playing a game to, you know, get back to where they need to be and, and get back on the right side of that. It's not a rivalry, but it's kind of quickly shaping up to be one of the better uh, continuing matchups in the Pac-12. And then as far as just a little bit further down the line, I think the only place there might be a little bit of room, wiggle room, would maybe be between UCLA and Oregon State. I feel like kind of maybe you could go a little bit either way on that one. I think UCLA probably makes sense to get the nod because they have DTR coming back at quarterback. And, uh, man, we know how valuable it is to have experience at the quarterback spot. And then, I mean... USC, like everyone's just buying into all that hype, and I understand that. But at the same time, like we really haven't seen them on the field against someone other than themselves. So I understand it, but at the same time, I feel like it's a little bit early. But at the same time, they didn't get you know projected to win the Pac-12, so I think that's probably you know for the better. Yeah, that's where I would have had Oregon as well, second behind Utah. And with regards to whether or not Oregon can beat the Utes. This year, I'm sure there are some Oregon fans out there who are confident that it will 
uh, go Oregon's way. Certainly having it at Autzen is nice rather than having to go to Salt Lake City, which is probably as good of an environment as Autzen. I think they're at least comparable at the very least, but they underwent a big uh, stadium renovation and they sell that place out. They pack it and they are loud, 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 loud fans. So it's a tough place to play, but I'm with you. I, I just don't know if... You know, the, the upgrades of Dan Lanning potentially from a schematic standpoint and Bo Nix. And if Dan Lanning's calling the defense, I think we can safely say it'll be an upgrade schematically from Tim DeRuiter last year, who uh, went to take the D.C. job at, at Texas Tech. But And I hope Lanning is calling the defensive plays as he did while he was at Georgia. Um, and Bo Nix, I think, can be better than Anthony Brown. But I still don't know if that's enough to account for... 76 to 17 like if Oregon comes back and beats Utah this year I think that'd be a pretty serious indictment of Mario Cristobal and what they did on those two those two game days last year because the talent is essentially the same maybe even slightly less this year in certain areas of Oregon's roster some areas maybe a little stronger but I think secondary you were definitely better last year pass rush you're definitely better last year with with that team and if if Oregon does come back I think that would not be a great look in that sense but it'd be good news for Oregon fans because that means that Dan Landing is the coach that uh, that we're hoping he he, he has the potential to be, but he, of course, has to has to show that first. And Bo Nix has to be able to perform at, at a certain level. Uh, but bringing it back to uh, these conference media picks, Utah won. No argument there. Oregon at two. No argument there. I think I would actually put UCLA above USC. I, I think the Bruins will beat the Trojans again this year because they're at home, even though it's not a great home field advantage. I think UCLA will have a lot of wins on the resume, and that'll get a few more people into the stadium. And I I like a lot of the things that they've done. And if you told me outside of the three biggest brands in the Pac-12 right now, which is uh, USC, Oregon, and Utah, which one would win the the Pac-12? Like, who's the best dark horse pick? pick? I I think it's 100% UCLA. Yeah, I think so too. It kind of feels like Chip Kelly has has found his footing uh, in in Pasadena, uh, and because they had their their best season in, in quite a while there uh, under Kelly. Uh, certainly, the LSU game was was the big one that they wanted to hang their hat. Yeah, that's on. huge. That's um, huge. Even if it's a six and six LSU team, that was a massive win. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that was it was really good to see, just for as a Pac-12 fan. I think that that was just really encouraging to see, even though. LSU tapered off a little bit uh, down down the line, but I think that was obviously pretty big. Um, and then getting getting uh, that big win over over USC. I mean, that was just a beat down, sixty two to thirty three. Um, I think that was really good for for them, even though uh, at that point Clay Helton had already been fired, so they were kind of teetering and you know incredibly unstable. <laughs> um, but I think that was really good for them. And uh, I feel like the the improved recruiting is going to help them there. And um, yeah, like I said, with, with DTR coming back, I think that they should be a, a very competitive team um, in, in the Pac-12 and if not in most of their games. And they have Zach Charbonnet coming back as well, an excellent running back. Kaz Allen is an explosive playmaker, just a vintage Chip Kelly recruit. I, I Every time I watch Kaz Allen play, I think, man, that guy belongs with Chip Kelly in the offense. And uh, they add Jake Bobo, who's probably going to be their number one wide receiver, transfer from Duke, a guy who's been really productive. 
Their their tight end Michael Aziki is looking like he's going to add to a, a recent run of success at the tight end position. There was Devin Asiasi and then Greg Dulcich, both of which who, who have gone on uh, to the NFL while, while Chip has been there. And, and another thing to factor in there with UCLA Max is they've added one of the 10 best transfer classes in the 2022 cycle, according to 24-7. That's what it was last time I, I checked. Maybe it fell. But re- regardless, like they have brought in a strong haul of players to address some of their, their weaknesses they had from a year ago. They've got a new defensive coordinator in Bill McGovern coming from uh, the NFL ranks. And I have to imagine he's an upgrade over Jerry Azanero, who was just a... There was nothing about UCLA's defense that was ever good. They did lose their best pass rusher, but they brought a couple of guys in. So I, I, I like what the Bruins are doing. I'd pick them as number three over USC, but I think that they're also going to play a, a close game in 2022. Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov had some words to say, and I want to ask Max about that after I tell you about LinkedIn. As you get it for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, Max, so George Klyovkov, uh, with his tone, I think more than anything, came out swinging uh, in his opening remarks. I thought it was kind of mildly overblown, some of the quotes that uh, people were reacting to, like when he said, oh, I don't know if we're going to go shopping in the Big 12. I was kind of like, well, I respect the mindset, George, but you don't have the option to go shopping in the Big 12. Like, it'd be great if you did, but that doesn't seem like a very feasible option right now. What did you make of his remarks and what he had to say amidst all this conference realignment? Yeah, that one was was definitely the one that stuck stuck out to a lot of people. Uh, you know, day of at, at Pac-12 Media Day, that was uh, interesting to say. I think partially because it made it seem like the Pac-12 had the leverage rather than the Big 12. Um, you know, like who's helping who here? You know, who's in the position of power? So I think. It was good throughout the whole day to at least see from George Klavkov that he was trying to, you know, put off an image of confidence and, and of strength, even if that might may not be the reality of the Pac-12. I think it's it's definitely reassuring. You want to see someone that is confident and and having a, a path forward uh, and being able to to salvage uh, something from all of this conference realignment chaos. Um, so that one was definitely one that that really shocked me. I think another one that uh, stuck out was how he's saying that he believes that we've collectively lost sight of the student athlete uh, with regards to all the huge changes that we've seen uh, in college football. Um, A huge topic of the day was name, image, and likeness uh, and how in some places across the country, you have boosters getting involved with recruits before they've even committed, uh, which is obviously where people see, uh, you know, I don't know if I'd call it tampering, but um, you know, Topics of you know, you know money going under the table and, and what have you. Um, so I thought that one was interesting to to hear from George, and he was also saying that the the goals remain the same for the Pac-12 even amidst all of this realignment. He wants to optimize for college football playoff invitations and win football championships. Um, and then he was just talking up a lot of the you know a lot of the metrics from last year, like the near sellout game for the Pac-12 title game, uh, and how a lot of the 
recruits, top recruits, top five stars in the Pac-12 footprint stayed within the conference, which, as we know, is largely due in part to Dan Lanning's arrival at Oregon uh, with Josh Connerly. And then also, of course, with Lincoln Riley at USC, keeping some of that top SoCal talent home. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the, the, the coaches being a factor there in recruiting. And that's ultimately what has, has been part of the problem, right? It is Clay Helton stayed at USC for way too long, and everyone could see, like, yeah, this guy, he hit his ceiling here. He had a top 10 NFL pick at quarterback, and he was able to get a Rose Bowl out of it, which is good and fine. But it was also a three-loss season for, for the Trojans, so it wasn't, you know, the, the pinnacle of what they're hoping to to recapture down there in Southern California. But then after that, uh, you know, if you go from that to then, I think they were 8-5 and five the, the, the following year uh, losing a bowl game. I, I think that was the point where they needed to say, all right, this is not moving in the direction that, uh, that, that it needs to be. Um, do you think that... I know Klyovkov said, and I think there was a lot of commissioner speak there, and there always is, and that's why we come on here to kind of filter through that sort of stuff. I don't know if you ever saw the uh, Charles Barkley post-game translator app SNL skit from back in the day. Uh, I feel like that. Oh, it's it's an incredible skit. I I feel like that's us sometimes. You know, a commissioner, a coach, or a player goes on and says one thing on the record because you got to project. Uh, you know, a certain a certain image or a certain perspective and such. But we kind of know what the situation on the ground is. He said he felt confident in uh, the remaining Pac-10 schools commitment to the Conference of Champions and to staying home and yada, yada, yada. I think it's kind of 50 50 for for some of the schools. Now, a, a couple Cal, Oregon State, Washington State, probably content to stay. Maybe Stanford as well. But the other ones, and ASU might be in that class as well. But uh, a lot of the other ones, Oregon included, I think would accept offers from another conference if it it came their way. Do you feel differently today about the the potential that Oregon could be moving to another conference or, or their willingness to accept an offer if it were to come? Uh, not necessarily. I think one thing that I could touch on in regard to that question is, is how much, uh, each head coach in one way or another, it felt like talked up their school during Pac-12 media day. Uh, I don't think anybody did that, that I heard probably more strongly than David Shaw, um, in terms of just talking up Stanford, like, you know, to death. Um, but they're a very prestigious school. So I think it makes sense. But with, with Oregon, I think that was one of the things that was interesting about what we heard from Dan Lanning because that in his opening remarks, he was talking about, uh, you know, 2.57 million viewers a, a week uh, for games throughout last season, which was tops in the conference. He was also saying that uh, in the past, I think it, I don't know if it was the past decade or the past 20 years, I can't remember the number, but in the past, whatever span of time for national championships, only nine teams have competed for a national title in Oregon's one of the ones that has done that twice. Um, so it was just interesting to kind of hear a little bit more of a sales pitch. Um, there, there were, you know, some people that were exuding confidence in the PAC 12 and just, you know, like, Oh, we like our leadership or they were just talking about their school in particular. And, and that's kind of interesting too, when you can kind of uh, take a little bit from maybe what wasn't said. And, and I know for Lanning, he was talking about how he was really uh, grateful for the relation, uh, the leadership rather at Oregon under president Michael Schill and AD Rob Mullins. So I think I, I would I would say I feel more confident that Oregon would accept a bid to another conference. Um, I was already kind of feeling that way, and I think that just reaffirmed it uh, after hearing from Lanning uh, and then a couple of the other coaches in, in the Pac-12 
Um, so I think I think that's kind of where I stand with that one. Yeah, and I liked what Lanning said about the the competitive landscape that he wants to see the Oregon football program proceed on. Right? It is he was saying, look, wherever we are, there are good teams in this conference. There are great teams across the country, and we're going to continue to have and seek out quality non-conference opportunities. And that that's what I that's what I want to see. You know, I, I would not go back in time, even knowing what I know now. I would not go back in time and play an easier opponent in 2019 instead of going to play Auburn and what ultimately resulted in a close loss in a top 16 uh, matchup on, on national TV there, right? It was a big game and Oregon's going to have that again in Georgia this year. I, I wouldn't go back and do that because if I would, that means I'd probably go back and not schedule Ohio State. And that would take away one of the best wins Oregon's had in a preseason or a pre-conference uh, matchup there in in quite some time. So, I, I want to play really good teams and whether that's, you know, done through the non-conference schedule exclusively or whether it's, you know, a little non-conference, but also you're in the Big Ten or Big 12 and whether or not an offer is coming down the line. I don't know. I think everything has kind of hit a dead period in that sense because everybody's waiting for the, the media rights deals to be negotiated and Klyovkov is in such a difficult position. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't know. He said the conference is aggressively pursuing expansion. But you don't know who those teams are going to be yet. But then you have to go and, based on uh, the deals that other conferences get, go to networks and say, this is what our conference is worth and what you should pay. But also, we're going to expand, but we don't know who yet. But uh, like it's just, there, there's so many moving parts and moving pieces there. Uh, it, it gets... It gets pretty darn, uh, pretty darn tricky. But I'm with you that, you know, if Oregon... And it's far from a guarantee, but if the Big 12 were to offer Oregon, yeah, I think they would probably go. If the Big Ten, I mean, we know if the Big Ten were, were to come with an offer, then that would certainly be something the Ducks would would, would go for. Um, but I, I think that Klyovkov is, you know, having to be a little optimistic, like that's his job, right? I mean, his job is to manage the conference, oversee it, and do what he believes is in the Pac-12's best interest. And that is to come out and definitively say, yeah, I, I feel good about where our teams are at and we're committed to creating a good conference and we're aggressively pursuing expansion opportunities. Whether or not that's enough to keep teams like Oregon or Utah or Washington or Stanford around, that kind of remains to be seen. I think depends on uh, what what his next move is, but I, I'm definitely fascinated to, to see what, what comes of it. Yeah, and another part that was really interesting from what we heard from from Commissioner Klyovkov that you alluded to a little bit there was the media rights deals. Um, when asked about uh, you know, conference realignment and everything that's going on there, one of the things he talked about was how whatever future partnership the Pac-12 makes uh, is probably going to be with some major digital platform. So he didn't go into any specifics yep. yeah, as far yeah. as naming potential partners, but I thought that was pretty interesting. Like people have talked about, you know, Apple TV. Uh, Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. Um, which is just so wild to think of because um, I feel like for me, uh, you know, in the past couple of years, that was like the only time I would watch live TV is if I wanted to watch a football game or some athletic event, everything else that you watch now, you know, TV shows, movies are, are all available to, to stream. So kind of just another, um, I don't know, another affirmation that, that, you know, sports media and media in general is, is constantly changing and we're getting farther and farther away from the, the live TV era of things. Um, but at the same time, we are still seeing it for sports games. And it's just kind of funny to think that, you know, 
the Pac-12 might have to pivot to something that other conferences don't have to, uh, just kind of in a, an effort to, to save things and, and try to maximize profits. Coming up, we'll get to uh, Dan Lanning's comments and what Max heard there. He was actually down at Pac-12 Media Days. Don't think I, I mentioned that at the start of the show, but he's given us a real on-the-ground reporting there, which we appreciate. And uh, conferences are changing, but what's not is that Built Bars are fantastic. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Ready? Delicious, indulgent, cookie dough. My shipment came the other day and they're excellent and they've got little chunks of cookie dough like in uh, cookie dough ice cream right there in the bar covered in chocolate. Built has done it again. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it plus it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein so go get yours today. Go to built.com use promo code lock15 get 15% off your order. That's promo code lock15 for 15% off at built.com. So, Max, you were there. Uh, you had the opportunity to ask a couple questions to uh, our new head coach and Dan Landing, who I thought presented himself exceptionally well. Uh, his his presence and his also just his joy uh, that he seems to get. And it just exuberates on his face when he starts talking about the, the program, which uh, I will continue, continue to use as long as he does. And I don't think it's going anywhere. So um, he, he's excited to be in charge of this program. I, I think you can really see it on his face in addition to hearing the words. Like a lot of coaches say it, but I don't think everybody shows it the way that that Lanning does. Uh, I'll, we'll, we'll close with what you what you asked him, but first, just kind of overall with, with his remarks and uh, how you interpreted what, uh, what what you saw from him at his first media day as a head coach. Yeah, it, it, he really composed himself very well uh, just as far as being a first-time head coach. I don't think that – I don't really know what I would say I could, like, look at if he weren't to have done a good job, if that makes sense. Like, oh, that – that you can tell that he's a first-time head coach and this is kind of new to him. But since he's gotten to Oregon, you know, he's just gotten more and more comfortable, you know, around the media and just carries himself very respectfully and, um, you know, has a lot of good stuff to say. He, he talked about um, just how happy he is to be there and, and how excited he is with his first job uh, as a head coach. Uh, he talked about um, how the team is, you know, kind of going through a rough time after losing Spencer Webb, but also how they were able to, you know, learn a lot from Spencer while, while he was still with us. Um, and he had a great, he had a great line about that. For those of you who don't know you, I'm sure you remember it, Max, you can say it. Yeah. The, the dash poem is that you're yeah. talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Just basically like, you know, you have your tombstone and then uh, you have the dash between the two years and basically the, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, you want to make, get the value from your life, you know, between those two dashes and just live it to your best uh, is kind of what he was getting at. And he talked about how they have a new tradition now going up to Spencer's Butte as like a team building, team bonding uh, tradition to honor Spencer uh, before every season now. So that was awesome. Um, as far as one of the questions that I asked uh, Dan was kind of just about what success is going to look like for the Ducks uh, in 2022, because that was one of the most still was and continues to be one of the most interesting aspects of this coaching hire for me. Uh, I think we can all agree or most people could agree that he's done everything right that you can possibly do without playing an actual game that's recruiting, whether it be in the portal, keeping guys on your team, uh, and then obviously pushing ahead. Uh, recently, the way he salvaged the 2022 class was was a really, really good job. And then 2023, the Ducks are uh, definitely picking up a lot of steam after landing Dante Moore, probably going to get some guys here in the uh, next coming weeks. 
Um, but what success looks like for him because of the timing of it as a new head coach and then Oregon's championship window, those are the two biggest things that I thought make this really interesting. And he was saying that he thinks time will tell um, and how he wants them to be able to, uh, you know, you, you want to win every single game uh, that you're supposed to win. I think that's something that, in my opinion, he's probably looking at Oregon's performance last year, how they won some games. But uh, I'm sure that if he were head coach in some of those games that were closer than they should have been, he probably would have, you know, told you that he could, they could have done a little bit better. <laughs> Stanford. Uh, Sorry, I coughed. St- Stanford and, and Cal uh, are definitely ones that come to mind. But talking about how he wants to see measured growth from week to week and, you know, not making the same mistakes uh, in week 10 that you make in week one. So I think that there's a lot of, you know, ways that they can be successful next year, but it was also like, you don't want to, you know, kind of talk too much and say, you know, winning the Pac-12 title is going to be success. I think every coach is going to have a different answer to that because there's a lot of ways that you can grow without just what you see on the field. But um, Oregon's in a great position because they have a, a really experienced coaching staff for the most part, definitely some youth at, at some spots, but also a pretty darn productive roster. And then I really like the way that they've, uh, you know, filled some of the, their needs uh, from a roster standpoint, adding guys like Caleb Chapman and, and uh, Bucky Irving, seeing that they lost some veterans uh, at both receiver and running back. Yeah, I think those are names that, that you'll hear a lot from this year. Chase Coda, of course, as well, figures to be uh, a guy who, who's on the field uh, pretty often. Uh, but, you know, for me, I, I think getting back to the Pac-12 championship game, I know we'd probably never get Lanning or any other coach to, to say it, but I think that's a pretty reasonable goal for Oregon. Their conference schedule shapes up pretty favorably. We've got Utah and UCLA, but we miss USC. But we have both of those Pac-12 South Titans at home. I, I mean, the road games this year are Cal, Colorado, Arizona, and who am I? Oregon who am I and, and, and Oregon State. I mean... As far as your road games go in the Pac-12 slate, I, I think that you know nine wins is kind of the, the the benchmark at least for for what a successful season looks like. But to me, and I wonder if you feel the same way, ten is very attainable uh, w- once again. Yeah, I think it is, and I've said it a couple times, and I'll say it again. You know, Oregon's at this point uh, where Pac-12 titles are the expectation. Uh, and Rose Bowls are the expectation. And the next step for them is the college football playoff. That doesn't mean winning the playoff. I mean, that's obviously their goal, but getting back to the playoff for the first time since its inception in 2014, 2015, I think that's absolutely got to be the goal. And the next step that this Oregon program is going to be wanting to take. Uh, so I think 10 wins is, is a, a reasonable goal, but um, we're going to have to see how they come out of the gates uh, against some really, really strong teams. going to be a heck of a litmus test uh, for for the ducks. Yeah. I, I think two and one at the start and, and, and we're okay. Don't expect to beat Georgia, but that BYU game do not should never ever sleep on, on the Cougars because they are, they're a team that rolled through the pac 12 uh, a season ago and we're, we're top 15 last year, whether they will be that again, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm glad we get them at Autzen rather than having to go all the way uh, to Provo. But Season's right around the corner. We are uh, just under, or just over, rather, a month away as this episode drops. Max Torres, host of the Ducks Dish podcast and covering Oregon for Fan Nation under SI. Great to talk to you, as always. Thanks for having me, Spencer. Appreciate it, man. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.